podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the podcast that brings you business ideas from established entrepreneurs. Each episode, you'll hear a new business idea and the exact steps our guests would take to get started. Follow through and you can earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Here are your hosts, Chris Justin and Ethan Janney. I'm Chris Justin. And I'm Ethan Janney. And on today's episode, we have Corey Zhu. He is a software developer and entrepreneur. These days, he mostly works on SaaS Pegasus, the Django SaaS boilerplate. He also made PlaceCardMe, which is becoming the best way to make printable place cards on the internet. Corey, what time is it there? You're in South Africa, right? Yeah, I'm in Cape Town. It's, uh, it's a little after six. Um, so you're catching me towards, towards the end of my day. Hopefully, I'm not too, uh, not too tired. I thought about uh, opening up a beer for this podcast, but then I decided that would be a little... Uh... I mean, you're not going to offend us. It's it's me over here. <laughs> Corey, looking through your bio and, and what you've done, I uh, I was very impressed with uh, some of the decisions that you made and I'm eager to hear about how you got to where you're at now with your multiple projects. As a non-technical person, a non, non-coding person, I should say, uh, half of the acronyms in here. I, I don't even know what Django is. So you'll have to explain some of that for maybe for our listeners. But our podcast, as you probably know, and most listeners know at this point, is about new business ideas from established entrepreneurs. And you've got one that you'd like to share with our listeners. Tell us about the idea that you would like them to run with. Yeah, sure. I'll preface this by saying like, I, I think this is a very boring business idea. And I think that's like probably a good thing in that. Yeah. We love boring business ideas. (laughs) Yeah. Well, like uh, there's this, I don't know if you guys have seen it. There's this talk by Jason Cohen that has become famous in these sort of bootstrapper startup circles. And, um, you know, one of his things is that it should be like a business to business thing. He's got this whole checklist. And um, I think this idea checks a lot of the boxes on that checklist, even if it's boring, which is why I don't want to run with it myself. But so the idea in a nutshell is performance review software. And so basically what that means is like software that would allow companies to run their performance review process better, more efficiently, save, save them time, save them pain. Can you give us an example? Because it sounds like this this might have come from some personal experiences. So like an example of a place where you either you had to put together performance software or you wish you had some or you wish it was better. Yeah, yeah. So the company that I uh, still work for today part-time, but have spent the majority of my career with um, that I was CTO of for, um, for 10 years, we ran these performance reviews. We still run uh, these performance reviews on a semi-annual cadence. And the way it works is you have managers who are like collecting feedback from a bunch of people. So let's say like you've worked with seven people on a particular team. The manager like reaches out to those seven people, asks them for feedback about you. Then they collate that together. There's a scoring matrix. They put that all together. And then, and then they write up, of course, like a lot of their own thoughts about you. And then they deliver this to you as like, you know, a Google Doc, essentially. And so for a long time, we were doing that by hand. We eventually cobbled together this like set of tools built on Google Sheets and Google Forms and a custom Google script that I wrote. But one of my role models in the entrepreneurial space is Patio 11, Patrick McKenzie. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. One of his things is like, anytime you see 
a spreadsheet that's doing a complicated workflow in a business that's ripe for building a new product and disrupting. And from a sales perspective, I like the fact that uh, it has the word performance in the in the topic. You know, so it's like. <laughs> performance reviews, you know, why are you doing them to increase performance? Have this software helps you increase performance. So definitely like that aspect. Yeah, I, I'm wondering um, why this doesn't exist already or why the way that you're presenting it doesn't already exist. It, it totally exists, but I think there's a specific part of the market. So what does exist are like HR management suites. So there's like a product called Bamboo HR. I think there's a bunch of them. But when you're like a three-person company, you're not getting the, the fancy like HR management all-in-one package. I think this would fill a, like a specific gap in that, in that sort of like HR space for, for a company who like started cobbling these things together on Google Sheets and, and just, like, just like the company I work for does. One uh, concern that immediately jumps to mind, I'm going to throw out an injection. You don't have to feel obligated to answer it yourself, but... Uh, <laughs> Performance reviews, you mentioned, they happen typically on a biannual basis. And if this were a monthly model, a, a SaaS model, I can imagine some people don't feel great about paying for 10 months out of the 12 where they're not using the software. I think that's a valid point. I, I mean, you could obviously just like only charge annually, for example. I don't know if people would, would be into that, but that's like one way you could work around that. I think an, another thing is one of the challenges I see with the product and, and one of the reasons why I haven't worked on it is like, you could say, no, you should actually be collecting feedback every week or every two weeks or every month. Not only are you like buying the software to help you do this thing, but we're teaching you how to like build a better system that involves more continuous feedback and more real-time responses. And so if you were able to like convince an organization like, oh, actually we shouldn't be running these heavy biannual processes or semi-annual processes, we should actually have more fluid, agile feedback and performance system. Um, then you could convince people to, to do it monthly, but then, then you get into this customer education space where you're trying to convince people to use your software in a very specific way that, that is probably like at odds with how they're currently doing performance reviews. And I think, I think that's one of the biggest challenges I see with the idea. The idea is like, I'm thinking like gamification, something like that. Like that's coming to mind for me for how to keep this thing alive and make it worth it on a monthly basis. And maybe it's even the way to introduce people to why it's useful. Instead of saying, oh, you need a performance review software that you pay for monthly, like buy it today. You could say, oh, you ready for your next performance review? Use our software. It's free. You know, and they do their first performance review, they set it in motion, and then you start introducing these. Well, look, an employee can get 10 points for, you know, this, or, you know, you can get this, uh, a boss yeah. can get 10 points for this or whatever. I am glad, though, Corey, that you brought up the idea of more regularly giving and getting feedback. And I think that part of the problem or part of the opportunity with performance reviews is not just that the tools that people use to conduct performance reviews aren't great. I think that performance reviews in general are not a great tool for getting the most, the most value out of your employees. I remember back in my corporate days, it would be a yeah, semi-annual meeting or an, even an annual meeting and you come October and you're like, oh my God, these are the expectations that you had for me. We haven't talked about this. I forgot all about this stuff when we're too busy like firefighting problems that we had. So I get excited about the idea of, of something that will get more value out of the employees, allow them to grow more, allow them to contribute more to the organization. I do think that that, as you alluded to, it requires a little bit more of a sell 
to uh, the organization to get them to change their behaviors. But I do think that with the uh, quantified self movement and people are doing this on their own, a lot of times people within corporations will hire their own coach sometimes to, to get better. So if you can find leaders within the organization who buy into that idea, maybe that you can start with a, a cohort, start as a consultant and go to companies and say, hey, I'll help you implement these project planning tools, like getting things done or a 12-week year, different frameworks that are already out there. I'll help you help your teams apply them. And then you can see what works, where people are falling through the cracks, and then build the software uh, based on a proven system that you've had to manually manage for, I don't know, a few companies. Yeah, totally. I, I think that's how I would try to roll this out. Because like, so I have this sort of like, insider view of one company and how that company does it. And and the risk there is that like I would overfit this product to that particular company and that particular workflow. Ideally, you probably want a bunch of those. I don't know how many would be enough to sort of keep a more general use case and solve people's problems better. But I agree, like that consulting model and doing things that don't scale and and doing a lot of this stuff sort of by hand just to understand what the what the product is would be a good first step. And hopefully something you could get people to pay you to do. So is this project, and I know you probably have a bias because you have maybe more or all your experience in what is this bootstrapped or funded? I mean, my, yeah, my, I, I actually really only think about bootstrapped ideas that like, I think I could pull off by myself. I, I think there's probably two versions of this and I'm, I'm sure there are prototypical like Y Combinator, business to business, solve, solve some business need that like every company has. And if you're successful, then it's like a $100 million company or something like that. So I, I think there's right. probably two versions. There's the slow bootstrap version and then the, the rocket ship funded version. Maybe we could go into just for a second, your experience with PlaceCard Me. And, and that is a business where it's just you, right? How does that business run? It's just me. With the exception of Damagi, the company I'm talking about, every, everything I do is just me. In COVID times, it's pretty <laughs> easy to keep it running because there's not a lot of people using it. But pre-COVID and it's starting to trickle back up for better or for worse. You know, I'll, I'll respond to a support email a day, maybe it takes like five, 10 minutes. Um, but that's, that's basically all I do. And that it just sort of sits there and, and runs itself. And like software developers tend to err on the side of too much coding and not enough of the other stuff. I had to be very disciplined about not just letting myself code, 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 and like keep building stuff. So I tracked my time and I broke it down into, into product development and marketing as just like two separate categories. And I would constantly look at it. And if I like, I would try to keep them basically the, about the same. And so if I saw like, oh, wait, I'm spending too much time on product development, then I would be like, I, I know I want to like build that feature, but I, I should really like write this blog post instead. It was a lot of wearing both hats and, and shifting back and forth and, and trying to sort of like do that all the time. That's a great insight, actually. I mean, I've heard that several places where people talk about bootstrapping, that there are sort of these two main categories of product and marketing, you know? And I do often hear people saying, I work on product on Mondays and marketing on Tuesdays, but that those are kind of just the key levers and you can't ignore one for the other. How do you think about pricing if you were to, to charge for this service, both as a consultant and for the software itself? How would you do so? Yeah, it's a good question. I haven't thought too much about the consulting side of it, but I'm sure I would offer it as a discount because the main value would be 
proving willingness to pay and and getting the learnings from from how that organization does this. For the software, there's a couple options. I think you'd either charge a fixed amount for the whole company per month or per year, depending if you wanted to do a monthly or an annual thing. Or you could do some sort of prorated thing based on how many employees they have. The latter is probably going to make you a lot more money in the long term if you can get sort of like bigger companies on board. I imagine the just charging the company a flat fee to start is probably going to be easier to just get early customers. And I would try to hone in on an optimal price point as, as you sort of figure out the market. I would charge something like 50 to to $100 per company per month. Yeah, I want to parse this out. So if I'm charging 50 to $100 per company per month, right? Regardless of the number of employees or... Maybe I'd say like under 200 employees or something or under... I think at a certain size, obviously, like the company just can afford to spend way, way more than that. Um, if it's $1,500 per company per month. And then at that point, that's primarily the the software. You know, you're just kind of facilitating that for them. Yeah, I think so. And actually, what I would probably do also is I would I would create like a consulting package to get their data in the system. Because um, most of these companies are, are probably using something for their like HR management system. Like we use Salesforce, and you're gonna you're gonna need to like link their HR database into the system. So maybe maybe I charge them some kind of setup fee to get their data in the system. I'm thinking about this also from a sales perspective of how I would start approaching companies, even if nothing were built. And to me, the opportunity that this idea solves is uh, reducing turnover and increasing effectiveness. Those are the two big levers that get improved. And uh, we've previously talked on this podcast about how expensive it is to replace an employee. That can be tens of thousands of dollars. It usually is, especially, I mean, even more at uh, big software companies. So that's one. And then two, if you're increasing the productivity of an employee, it's it's very well known that people are most productive right before their deadlines. And typically, like if you've got your end of year review, uh, people will crank out you know fifty percent more work to be able to finish it all off before that time. So if you can somehow tie it to, hey, we've created a system where employees are able to be much more productive throughout the year. Uh, every one of your employees is now doing the work of one point five employees. Uh, that sounds pretty good, <laughs> um, and doing it in a way where they feel more feel more valued and and they're not getting run down. So that's how I would try and sell it. I, I would also add on, like I think you can also position it potentially as a time saver. I think at least in in you know my sort of n of one companies that I've seen, like there's just a lot of time and churn uh, spent on the nuts and bolts of this process. These managers, time is really valuable. And if, if they're spending three hours just collating feedback from their different places and pasting it into a doc and, and whatever else, their three hours of their time should be worth, you know, more than $50. Uh, so I think that's the third uh, part of the sales is like, you know, you're going to get better retention, maybe better performance, hopefully, and, and save people time. Yeah, that makes sense. What are some of the barriers that you anticipate if you were to approach a company with this idea? Probably the biggest one I could imagine is that maybe that they already have some 
process that that they're very attached to, even if it's not so efficient. <laughs> but I think the the bigger problem is that the way that they do performance reviews is like you can't just like fit that into your software. I wonder if there's any way to sell performance review software through the employees, like get them on board that, oh, hey, I like this system. This would work for me, you know, whatever incentive you offer as a performance review software, you know, rate your boss. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I was teaching in the university, they had uh, rate my professor, you know. Students would take full discretion to do, you know, say whatever they wanted, really. But yeah, not, not exactly that you would do things like that. But, you know, just make it appealing to the workforce. And then they go, hey, so, you know, we'll, you will appreciate this. We'll enjoy this if our employers implement this. Yeah, I like that a lot. I've been thinking about it from a very, like, top-down perspective. But I, I think, like, if you, if you could sort of convince the employees to, and then create the demand bottom-up, that would be, like, even better. I, I know, like, companies like Slack and have have sort of infiltrated workplaces that way. I know there are there are companies that do this, pay for services that are similar to Rate My Boss, and there are companies on the other side that actually offer those services. They don't call it that. It's a little bit more sophisticated. But every year when I was at Shell, they had the uh, Shell People Survey, and it would take you 10 minutes or 15 minutes to go through, uh, and you'd answer questions like, how do you feel? Do you feel like your work is valued? Do you, uh, do you feel like your boss understands you? If you notice an issue, how comfortable are you being able to bring it up? Things like that. And I'm making up some of the questions, but a hundred different questions like that. And at the end, they anonymously uh, tally the scores and you can see uh, people's scores broken down at each manager level. Uh, so if there's a manager that's consistently getting a three out of 10 in terms of trust, you know, employees being able to believe that if they, if they do the work that the manager asks, that they uh, will be rewarded appropriately or something like that. It's very easy to point that out on a yearly basis. Yeah. So how would you approach the potential clients? To start, I would try to go through my network. I would call up my friends and say like, how does your company do this? And can I talk to someone? And, and, that's how I would sort of like validate the idea and, and, you know, decide if I really wanted to, to pursue it. And then at, at scale, I guess it's probably going to be a sales model, which probably means you're finding companies and doing cold outreach and, and a lot of stuff that I have no desire to do, uh, which is one of the reasons why you can run with this idea. Uh, maybe that sounds fun to you. Yeah. We're going to change the title of this podcast to, run with this idea if you want to, like, or I don't know, we can <laughs> something at the end, if you dare, if you care. <laughs> How do you think about this idea at this nexus of, of a pandemic and the potential for more people to be working from home? Are there any additional opportunities available to a company who is nimble enough to adapt their offering for this new reality? That's a great point. Yeah, I, I, I think probably, right? I mean, if you could somehow convince the world that you were the sort of like best remote first employee feedback system. Man, I'm, I'm thinking here, like I know folks who have a job and they, you know, literally just telling me, oh, this has been weird. We're working at home. I'm working more hours than I was when I was in the office. You know, everybody's like, 
working on overtime and I don't know how to bring this up. We have systems to rate the traditional, I'm going to the office work process and rate the employees and rate the, you know, employers and do performance reviews, but it, it may be also broken because we're doing things digitally via Zoom, people are working on their own time or they have to sit in you know, way more Zoom meetings than they ever thought they would ever have to. And it actually you know, is not good for productivity. So just kind of going in there and taking advantage that everybody's working on Zoom and working remotely right now and say, you could even just put out like a global Zoom work survey you know, and find out a lot of data that probably people are itching to share uh, about their frustrations and how they could make it better. Yeah. Yeah. I'm picturing the tagline, Ken, my workplace productivity as a service. <laughs> you come in with a system that you bolt on to someone's existing platform. And oftentimes people have not developed uh, a remote first system for being able to measure, measure performance. My wife had told me the other day that it's and usually people can see her work, very similar to what Ethan is saying. You're in meetings, you're presenting it to people, you're talking about it. I mean, even just water cooler banter that doesn't happen, at least for the organizations that are not used to working remotely, it doesn't happen at all. People are trying to figure out new ways to, to get credit for what they're doing. Yeah. Hopefully this is getting you more excited about the idea, Corey. Come on. <laughs> 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 well, I, I like to I like to keep my ambitions sort of like very contained. These ideas are a little too big for me. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, just a quick question. It's a little bit off topic from this. I mean, we got some good ideas. You know, you could get started as a consultant. You can charge a few thousand dollars for setup. You can do a couple hundred bucks a month for maintenance of this type of a software system. You can reach out to people cold through HR departments. We've got some things in place. I'm just curious more about you to share with people in that transition because you've worked as a CTO, you've done independent projects. What is your day-to-day like now in terms of how you distribute the work that you do? Yeah, there's no sort of routine. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, I, I sort of like I wake up and I I sort of look at my, I look at a blank Google Doc essentially, and I'm like, "What am I going to do today?" <laughs> and and in general, like I I will spend about half my week uh, doing work for um, my company Demagi, and I'll spend the other half of my week doing stuff that that sort of like moves my own personal projects along. These days, I'm mostly working on uh, the project you mentioned at the beginning, the the Django SaaS template Pegasus, which which I'll, I'll have to tell you what Django is, but but yeah, I mean, like it's it's pretty flexible. I sort of I sort of just like bounce around based on um, what feels the most important or what I feel like doing. It's it's relatively unstructured, except that I am like obsessive about tracking my time, and so at the end of the day and at the end of the week, I can be very uh, clear about where my time has gone, and and I sort of like. I look at it at that macro level sort of every day and, and every week. And I'm like, oh, did I like actually spend, you know, this week I wanted to spend 12 hours working on Pegasus, but this other stuff came up and, and I only spent three. And then I'll be like, I'll be, you know, mad about that. And I'll, I'll adjust the next week or something like that. Um, so it's sort of both very chaotic and with this sort of backing of rigor and data or something like that. Um, it, it sounds... How do you notate that? Do you just write that in a Google Docker spreadsheet? Okay, I've done. Oh, I use an app. 
Oh. I, I use an app for time tracking. Yeah, it's called Toggle. Um, Toggle. Which is a very nice time tracking app. And then in terms of the Dimaji, is, 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 that's a business that you worked at full-time previously? Or are you... Yeah. What's your position? Yeah, so I was full-time from basically 2006 until 2017. So like 11 years. And then I took seven months off, uh, which is when I sort of like spun up a few of these personal projects. And then I went back half time and, and then sort of continued the personal side, uh, with the other half of my time. So now I, I know that there's going to be a good number of our listeners that are in that liminal position where they have a full-time job and they're trying to start a business and they, you know, trying to figure out how to budget some time in. Do you have any tips or suggestions on how to make that transitional process so that you have some time to develop your own business project? I think the first point is it depends on your energy and you have to understand your energy like and and where you get energy. I think some some people can work a full-time job either loving it or you know just sort of treating it as a 9 to 5 and then come home and work nights and weekends and make a side project happen. And if like if you have that energy and you have sort of the lifestyle and life situation that allows you to do that. That's awesome. But I think like for me, I didn't. And, and I think like a lot of people don't. And in that world, I recommend sort of finding a way, or at least what worked for me was finding a way to safely reduce your, reduce your nine to five to nine to four or nine to three or whatever. And, and then give yourself the time to, to actually make progress on these entrepreneurial endeavors outside of work. And, and there's a lot of like paths to that. One is one that I took was to just take a sabbatical. So I just had like a hard stop, dipped into my savings a little bit. Thankfully, my wife was still working. And, and so then that was like a really good way for me to get from zero to one in terms of having something out there that, that had enough momentum that I could do it part time. Freelancing is another good path if, if you have sort of enough skills or, or a network that you can quit your job. But replace some of that income with freelancing like that can be pretty especially in the software space which is which is my space tell me more about this idea of a sabbatical because i'm familiar with it in academia and it makes sense because these people are tenured and they could just take some time off and then come back and it all seems so great it sounds like you negotiate with your work to just like hey can i have a few weeks off and then i can actually come back or like what how does that work <laughs> That's a good point. I, I mean, I imagine a lot of people don't have that option. And and Demagi is a very cool company in that way, in that they're you know they treat employees like quite uh, flexibly and and generously. So yeah, for me that was an option. I, I think if you are a high value employee, then you know going and saying to your boss like, look, you know I'm great. You know you don't want me to quit. I want to pursue this other thing. I'm interested in it. Can I take three months and come back? Or, you know, a, a company that values its employees well should say yes to that, I would think, even though, you know, they're taking on some risk. But that, that was basically what I did. I negotiated and it, it wasn't paid, obviously. So sabbatical is like a nice, makes it sound more important than like, oh, I just like didn't have a job for seven months, which is like a lot closer to the actual truth. Again, I, I'm, I'm a bit privileged in that being, being a competent um, software developer is like you, these days you're not really ever like worried about not being able to find a job. That's a perfect segue. I, I need to ask this. Uh, uh, many of our listeners probably do not have a software background. Uh, 
what would you say to them to as a piece of advice for getting an idea like this off the ground? We've talked in in the past about outsourcing the work to a third party developer, but what's your take on that? Yeah, I have such a bias towards learning and doing it yourself just because that's sort of what I do. But like these days, there's so much you can put together without even knowing how to code. You can build an amazing website with, you know, like Squarespace or Card or whatever. And so I would I would say like go as far as you can with either no code tools or even try to try to learn how to code if, you know, just enough to sort of like put your idea together because it's much more accessible than than you think. And honestly, like it's just as hard to learn how to pick, hire, and manage a team of outsourced developers as it is to learn how to build a website in one of these tools. So like, all, why not also do the thing that will forever unlock you to be able to do this for free in the future? That's a great piece of advice. We normally ask at the end to hear what's one thing you want our listeners to take away from this conversation. But that was such a good reply that we're just going to sign off with that. So to the listener out there, who likes this idea and wants to wants to run with it, do so. Follow through on some of the action steps that we outlined. Email us at update at runwithit.fm. And uh, everyone who does email in will receive access to a private Facebook group of action takers. One lucky listener will earn a free mentoring session with Corey. And uh, potentially, you can convince him to do a business partnership around this idea. He doesn't want to do the majority of it, so... <laughs> well, well, no, I'll just build the whole product for you. I mean, all you have to do is... <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Uh, Corey, where can people go to find out more about you? Yeah, you can go to just my website. It's Corey without an E, so C-O-R-Y-Z-U-Z-U-E dot com. Well, Corey, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for sharing this idea with our listeners for them to run with. Looking forward to hearing from them about some of the actions that they've taken. And uh, yeah, enjoy the conversation. Enjoy enjoy that beer that you wanted to get. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. This, this was fun. Now it's time for you to run with it. Follow through on the action steps discussed and email a summary of what you did to update at runwithit.fm. Every listener who emails us will gain exclusive access to a private Facebook group of action takers. And one listener will earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Help us build the Run With It community of generous entrepreneurs. Please like, subscribe, and review us online. And remember, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. Podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm run, that's R-U-N, and get 15% off your first year.